I took a sleeping pill with caffeinated tea. Okay, welcome to episode 10 of The Failure Show. I'm Ben Frank. And I'm Ida Knox, and it's our last episode because I'm mad at Ben. (laughs) Whoa! Why? Why? I, why are you mad at me? Because you just told me that I look like a disheveled flapper. Because it's not a compliment. Well, you didn't look like that a second ago, but then you you went to your room and you did something with your hair and you just had like huge tufts. Oh, sorry, Ben. Are you bringing up my hair? Would you like to talk about my hair? Because I'm growing it out. I don't know if anyone has ever told you that. <laughs> Actually, everyone has told me except you. You're the yeah. only person that's not talking about it in it's Shanghai. It's a pretty big deal that I'm growing it out. So, uh, I, I, I've not finished being human yet, but um, I will take it. So What does that even mean? Like, you know, like you wake up in the morning and you look a certain way and then you put X oh. amount of time into looking human. And I have not had to do that fully yet today as I have not left my apartment. Okay. Um, so I'm not fully finished looking human yet. I'm okay. in the middle of that. When you said I'm not finished looking human yet, I thought that meant like you've looked human for a while <laughs> and you haven't quite given up on it yet. <laughs> that was that was how that was how I interpreted that statement, but that's you meant the opposite. I don't like you. <laughs> Um, yes, I meant the opposite, but I think, I think everybody gets that, except maybe you, I don't know, maybe you wake up and just, like, are automatically in bearded glordom or whatever, but... Glordom? Bearded glordom? <laughs> <laughs> I have to put vague effort into looking like this semi-homeless... You guys can hear, hear our, our, our guest laugh, laughing in the background, this is just, you can't, you can't resist, this is the, this is the magic of being in the podcast studio live, this is the experience that you don't... You don't get just listening at home. Yeah, you get insults you would never get at home. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's been good. Um, I'm having a great week. Having a great week. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I did, but thanks for volunteering the information. Oh, it's gonna be a good life. In yeah, the it's gonna episode, be. I think it's gonna be a good show. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we we got a lot to get to. Should we? Should we just? Should we just get into things? Yeah, let's just get into things. Okay. Let's let's. Uh, we got a great episode ahead of us. Let's go right into fail or pass. Fail or pass? Okay, this is uh, fail or pass. The, the way we uh, debate topics in the news every week, decide With whether that. the principles involved fail or pass, and where Ida gets really, really charged up about something. That literally never happens. Um, I am a big fan of nuance. I don't understand. <laughs> As we, we both are. We both, we both are big yeah. fans of, of nuance. We get, uh, get passionate. Uh, we're going we're gonna to welcome our, our guest for the week that's going to join us for this segment, uh, Kaylee Keefe. Welcome. Hello. Yeah, welcome to the failure show. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm glad to have you here. Yeah, we are. So, Ida, do you want to get started with, with your story? Okay. <clears throat> My story is, as always, from the Times, the only new subscription I pay for. You should all look into doing that. <laughs> um, subsequently, if the Times would like to endorse our, our podcast. That would be a, that would be a big time sponsor. That, that would be amazing. Be, that would be almost as good as Jizbon Condoms, um, our other potential. Refer to episode four with guest Logan Clements for that conversation if you don't get that reference. <laughs> Well, on the note of Jizbon condoms, my <laughs> my news story for the week is <clears throat> quote penis seat causes double takes on Mexico City subway. Penis seat? What? Yeah. Penis. Penis. <laughs> We're very mature here. That's what it says. Okay, penis seat. Yeah, penis. P. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, that's what it says. It's literally called that, and it says causes double takes on Mexico City subway. I'm a child. Um, I'm going to show you a picture of it. (laughs) Okay, wow. Yeah, so it's legitimately a subway, like a metro seat that's Uh, been uh. modeled to look like a man, like, sitting on it, kind of, complete with It has, like, man nipples, a belly button, and then just, like, a bulge right in the center of the seat. Yeah. 
And the point of this is... So, apparently the point of it is, is it was, like, a social media slash campaign thing that was done to, like, bring awareness to the amount of sexual harassment that women face on work commutes in Mexico City. Um, my my <laughs> issue with it is that, like, I would not want to deal with a penis seat on my metro but like I so so I get I get the vibes of it it was literally done it was part of a campaign by the UN women and Mexico City government to raise awareness about sexual harassment on subways so it was meant to be this like jarring thing where you walked on and you were like oh penis seat (laughs) just like like I I guess like with things like this though I feel like sometimes they're more for shock value than they are for like actually helping in any way yeah. and I'm not sure it seems like you know like it made it into the times and like it got a lot of views some video they did with it got a lot of views on YouTube like 800,000 or something which is a lot um it it was meant to be really provocative and that was like it that was kind of the whole vibe and then a lot of people took pictures of it and put it on social media etc um i actually i'm curious what you guys think but i'm leaning towards like failing this as a method of fighting back against sexual harassment okay so so we're failing or passing whether this is an effective yeah we're failing or passing whether like a really good and well-crafted out social media campaign is actually like that that gets as many views as this did and stuff is actually like in any way going to change like men's minds about like groping women on the metro etc like is it is it actually fighting back in any way i guess it's meant to raise awareness but i don't know that that was necessarily something that people like didn't know i so for something like this i think that you have to kind of be careful with what the what the motive behind the provocative statement is. And I think I have to give it a fail um, just because there are far better ways of uh, of raising awareness and getting information out. Now, if their goal was to start the conversation and initiate the conversation, then I could give that a pass because it, it for sure will start a conversation and that can hopefully lead into some good questions being asked and some initiative being taken. But I think just for the sole purpose of this will draw much more attention to sexual harassment and ways to deal with it, I have to give it a fail. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I guess it is, like, the motive is to start the conversation. I just don't know, like, who who then on the flip of Like, who's there ready, like, when someone sees penis seat standing there to be like, now do you want to have a conversation about sexual harassment? Right. And, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, I think that that's maybe not the best way to do it because then you also have to bring in the body objectification yeah. thing in there too, which just kind of, instead of stopping sexual harassment, just kind of perpetuates the problem. Yeah, I think. it's a little yeah. weird. But apparently in Mexico, um, the Mexican Institute of Women uh, reported that 9 out of 10 women who use public transportation feel unsafe while doing it. Wow. Which mm. is pretty... Pretty high. So apparently it's like a real issue. I don't know at that point, like if 90% of people are uncomfortable, if that's a conversation that needs more awareness or just like I think at that point, people are pretty aware at that point. You just need to come up with solutions. Yeah. I mean, I think if if it's that much of a rampant problem, I think something along the lines of I mean, it, it yeah, it could help raise, raise awareness, but yeah. maybe something that leads to better in, enforcement or social shaming of such behavior. Yeah. Like, what are the consequences going to be for said action? Kind of right. Though? Or could, how do you re-educate and re-culturize this idea? Because I also feel like as a form, as, like, all the forms of sexual harassment that exists, like, kind of grabbing women on the metro is, like, one of the most, like, base forms. Like, there are more, like, yeah. subtle ways to sexually harass people. That like no no no, no, no. no I mean that like that like more Ben Frank like, okay, so like, there we go okay no I know what you mean that but a, like what a great sentence yeah, like, yeah what a, what a great sentence but this, that are like more subconscious than that mm-hmm, and yeah. that where people might actually not could potentially not be aware the degree to which it makes someone else feel uncomfortable, but I right. don't feel like this is one of those types yeah, of harassment. Yeah, I know, right, for sure right, right. it's not. I agree. I think it like I think it's just such a like base level like 
Yeah, okay. I don't think that anyone that's going to be, like, groping people in the metro is going to see this and be like, ah, now I will not do that. Yeah, let me stop my creepy behavior. And if it's 90% of women, then I don't think any women are going to be like, oh, this is an issue. Like, yeah, Yeah. pretty aware. It's kind of like the, like, Bill Burr has a, a bit about, like, kind of, like, all the daytime talk shows that talk about domestic violence and they're like, and that says that, you know, that means it's never right to hit a woman. Mm. He's just like, is there, is there just some guy that's like, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. I that. This changes my perspective oh. on everything. Yeah. Like, I didn't, oh. Yeah. Like, I guess I feel like that's where it falls in. Like, it's one of those things where, like, on social media, it makes a huge buzz and people are like, wow. But, like, I just don't feel like anyone who wasn't aware is going to, like, necessarily be more aware. It, it almost, like, brings international attention to it, if anything else. Now yeah. I know 90% of women in Mexico City hate public transportation. <laughs> so that's new for me. But other than that, I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree. I So that's yeah. my uh that's my well sourced, early thought out material that okay. I brought to you. Wait, so it sounds wait. like yeah, so I guess I'm probably failing that too. Alright. Triple fail. Triple fail. Um, okay. So my article that we have here, as I said, um, it's not from the Times. Brand and the headline is uh, <laughs> I, I'm going back to the um, Mike Pence well here. Oh Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, I like legitimately pitch this to people by saying like failure pass where I promise we'll never talk about Trump or well, politics of any way. But this is not really a political thing. It's kind of like the other Mike Pence story. Oh my God. Is this the, is this the dinner thing? Is this yeah. the dinner oh, Okay. Yeah. Let's talk, yeah, okay, let's yeah. talk about this. Okay. Story. So for the, okay. For so sure. for, okay. So Mike, everyone else in the podcast is already familiar with it. For those of you listening who are not familiar with the story already, the headline is Vice President Pence's, quote, never dine alone with a woman rule isn't honorable, it's probably illegal, uh, an employment lawyer weighs in. So basically, um, in 2002, Mike Pence said at some point that he doesn't eat alone with a woman or attend an event where alcohol is being served unless his wife is is present. Um, And then this article kind of took that and then talked about how this relates to challenges that women face uh, in the working world with having access to male supervisors or bosses Ah, for one-on-one meetings and things like that. Yeah. So I guess what the the two things that I think we should look at here and fail Mm. or pass are kind of Mike Pence's general Mm. view on this or how he treats such situations, but also the, the choice when writing this article to take the leap from what he said, which doesn't necessarily mention anything about employees or anything right, like that, right, right. and then just make it about um, employment law and sexism in the workplace. Yeah. Okay. So kind of two two parts of that. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I had I just I do have to say I have appreciated this this the sheer number of internet memes that his comment brought about. I really yeah. like the one. It's like Mike Pence and the bottle of Mrs. Butterworth's syrup and pancakes. It's like like basically like, is this allowed? Um, I really, that brought a lot of joy to my morning the other day. Um, It's good. But I actually, I think it's it's good to connect things like this to like employment. I mean, even though he said, he didn't say like, I would never sit alone with a woman. I think, because I think it just, it's nice to draw that comparison of, like, that's a form of sexism. Like, even if he's doing it, like, for starters, why is he doing that? He's not that attractive of a man. I don't think women are, like, throwing themselves at him. But Probably not. Probably not. He's not my silver fox, you know? Right. <laughs> if I was picking. But, if I was picking, it'd be interesting. But he's in it. also <laughs> useless to me, but. Yeah, right. Um. I'm just but Mike Pence is, is in a position of power, so you know. Anyways, for some women, Ben is saying that he would go for Mike Pence. If yes, given that, the is, that is. That's um, what oh I mean. boy. But I think I think it's good because when you have people who are in positions of power like that, and you have them saying things that just like obviously draw gender lines, like draw lines in it. It doesn't really matter why he's not doing it. Like maybe it's because he's worried he's gropey. Maybe it's because he's worried he's so attractive that women would literally throw themselves at him, mm-hmm. and he blacks out a lot when he drinks. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like it could be a lot of things, right? But it is. It's just like such a like 
it's almost demeaning to be like, what, like, you couldn't be in the same room with me because what, like, either you don't trust me or you don't trust yourself not Ooh. to assault me or, like, you just, you know, like, yeah. it's just, like, a weird, creepy thing that when someone is, well, you know, let's be real, Mike Pence isn't working around a lot of women right now, but, um... Yeah. <laughs> But, like, were he to be, I could see how, like, it would make sense to draw the employment, like... The line. The line there and be like, this is connected. Like, mm. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can... I, I just can see. fail him on everything. I just... <laughs> I mean, devil's advocate. I think his motivation behind it may be to ensure that there's, you know, he can't be accused of any kind of misconduct of any kind because when you are in a position like the one that he's in it's very easy to have things misconstrued and get things twisted and you know especially when it's a he said she said issue so i think for his job that's kind of a really safe move for him self-preservation wise i think though that yeah, I kind of agree that it is kind of sexist. But the context, he didn't say it in a job context, right? No, he didn't. And that's, right. So, yeah. okay. Did did he say what his motivation behind these decisions I actually haven't, like, watched is? the video or anything. I in, just enjoyed the memes. In the, arti- <laughs> in the article that I read, it didn't have anything where Mike Pence specifically explained why, why? he does it. But it, I think people kind of extrapolated, like, oh... He, they kind of made assumptions, which may or may not be true, that right. like he's more conservative, traditional, a lot of people in those types of relationships, like, you know, either the man doesn't trust himself or, or the wife might not trust her man right, around. Right, right. And so they have these arrangements where... Right. So it, it, nothing, none of this is coming from him. It's just kind of extrapolated from the type of person that people think he is based on what we know publicly. Him to be. Well, I think... If, it, if it's purely based on his, you know, agreement with his wife, then no one else really has any kind of business judging the, the things that he and his wife deem okay for their marriage and socially, how they're going to do that. Because marriage is one of those things that I hate when people butt into other people's relationships. It just drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's, you know, you, you're taking this thing that's supposed to be between two people and all of a sudden you're making it very public. And that's really that can be really damaging. Mm-hmm. So I think whatever his motivation is, we should find out what his reasons are before we say, oh, this is you know completely sexist and that you know this is. Well, I yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm with you there. I think if it is just like well, that's why I think it's interesting to draw the line to then the workplace because right. I think if it's like for social situations for his marriage, like right. whatever, yeah, like. Stay the hell out of it. Yeah. But I think that if it does bleed over, and I don't know that it actually does. Like, I don't know that Mike Pence has actually never taken a one-on-one meeting with a woman at work. I'm sure he's had to. Probably has had to. But I can see how, like... If that did then bleed over to the workplace, it's like, yeah, you, you even if you your wife's like, don't meet with women, you can't be like, well, I'm the boss, but I'll never meet with a woman. Right. <laughs> so and, I almost assume it, it can't, really. Like, it's an interesting right. argument, and I'm I'm on board with, like, do whatever you want in your relationships. Right. But, like, I, if it does bleed into work, then it's a fail, and if it doesn't, then, like... This yeah. bad journalism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, my thoughts, like... Kaylee, I was kind of thinking the same thing you were, that just being a politician, living in Washington, which is like a, a small city, mm-hmm. and and almost everyone is involved in politics in some way. It's like Lord of way. the Flies. Like if, you, <laughs> like if you go out to dinner alone with a woman, like someone you know will mm-hmm. see you. So, Absolutely. And even if there's nothing inappropriate going on, like the, the chance that someone could use that to blackmail you later on is or like... Or twist things. I yeah. Mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, but uh, but I thought this was a really interesting case of how I think when you look at someone like Mike Pence, like based on his policies and what we've seen him do in the past, you, whoever's writing a story about this takes the story and then puts the most sexist spin on it they possibly can. Yeah. Can I can I just say though, like if you look at Mike Pence and you look at his policies, he should be just as worried to spend any time with men because like based on how he feels about like homosexuals and gay people, like if yeah. someone's going to seduce him, he ought to be just as worried if he takes that hot guy and turn out, you know, <laughs> like things could go just as wrong. Yeah. So, kind of fuck Mike Pence, but yeah, people do try and like yeah. write the sexist story. Because, yeah. for example, I feel like if um, like if this was a story, say someone had done this story 
three years ago and it was about Joe Biden. Yeah. I don't think they'd be like, Joe Biden is a sexist boss. Right. Because, like, nothing about Joe Biden would tell you that. But, like, that quote by Mike Pence, or, like, his policy or whatever from 2002 doesn't really tell you that either. Right. But people use that and they extrapolated what they know about Mike yeah. Pence and then... Well, and how much, of, how much of that journalist's viewpoint is coming from what they've seen directly from him and not what they've seen directly from the accusations made against President Trump. I yeah. Mean, there's yeah. That, that their relationship has, you know, apparently with this journalist has, has come into play and they've maybe kind of taken it into, well, this person was accused of this, so maybe this this coworker is yeah. is made this I, I don't feel bad for him on that count though because I mean it's not like he's said or done anything to say like I'm not down with it so if right. you are going to closely associate then right. it just follows that people would extrapolate that you are right. no, condoning I com- things I completely agree but I think you know good journalism isn't putting your own spin on it and, and taking into account um, a story before you know all the facts. If we don't know why he said that, then it's not our business to kind of be putting words in his mouth. Yeah, it could be maybe, that's true. maybe this is this. Well, you know. So what we should is do this. is send a bunch of people to ask follow up questions. Exactly. I would follow like to know. up questions. Yes. I would love to know. That would be okay. a great idea. So I guess the the, the two points here are we uh, are we failing or passing both the uh, kind of Mike Pence and kind of what he said back Never in 2002. Never passing Mike Pence. And then. <laughs> The, the kind of the element of taking what he said and then putting this whole sexist, like he's a sexist in the workplace. Well, okay, I'm going to fail Mike Pence because he's Mike Pence. And I'm going <laughs> to pass the story only because I, not because I think it's great, but because I think it could have the effect of like highlighting this as an issue. And in a dream world, that would make someone feel accountable to then come back and be like, no, actually, like... That's not what I do, or like have some kind right. of response, clarify it, try and make it sound less sexist since it does sound really sexist, and at least have a vague general statement that's like, no, I support women, and like, mm-hmm. yeah, just whatever. get their standpoint. Yeah, I think um, for the fact that I don't know his personal motivations behind saying this, I have to pass as just the action itself because if it's a motivational thing between he and his wife. That's not my business to, to judge. And, you know, you do you, whatever works. In terms of it being for the workplace, I would have to also give it a pass because I think that it's something that needs to be discussed. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I also, I'm going to I'm gonna pass Mike Pence on this. Why? He looks at me aggressively when he says that. That's cool. <laughs> you can pass yeah. it. Yeah. No, I like to put, I like to, I like to put, I like to put us and our guests in uncomfortable situations where we have to, where we may have to agree with people we don't necessarily yeah. like, or don't agree with I most of the time. Yeah. Nazis, so I yeah. feel like <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's kind of the point of this segment is yeah. to is to find the nuance in black and white situations that are presented by like media as like this is obviously they're trying to fail him and yeah. and find the nuance. Um, yeah, and then I'll also pass. Um, even though it's making some assumptions, I will pass making the connection to workplace stuff because I think this is a, a big issue that a lot yeah, of yeah. women face, and it does need more attention. Even if not even just if, women, but men too. It's, yeah, it's a it's a workplace issue. Yeah. So okay, great. That's been uh, fail or pass. Let's uh, move on to the next segment. Let's do it. Failure of the week. Okay, we're gonna start off uh, with our little failures of the week. <laughs> Yeah. My absolute favorite. Ida's favorite part of the show that I've gotten better at remembering in recent, <laughs> in recent weeks. I used to forget it all the time. I would get really upset. There's a couple of our beginning episodes where we do this as the very absolute last thing on the episode because I'm like, we are going to do it. Like, well, yeah, we, we, we have these like deco- deep conversations for half an hour. And it's like, we forgot. <laughs> We're like in the middle of someone being like, and that's how like I, I came to terms with. And I'm like, wait a minute before you <laughs> Do you know, and I just realized I haven't talked about my small but pathetic failures, and I'd really like to. So, yeah. cool, Ben. You want to start this week? Sure. Um, so this is it's kind of interesting. So last week I, I I did something more spontaneous than I would normally do last weekend. <laughs> no, no, no. And I um, is this your subtle way of saying you had a one night stand. No, 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 no. no. I um, last Sunday it was about noon, and I 
got asked to go to a wedding that day by someone I had never met before. What? Like, How does that even like, happen? Like, like to be her date at a wedding. Oh, I thought oh. you were going to tell me that you got married last No. Week. <laughs> Wait a second. That's <laughs> a bigger feel. I said, I, said, I, said I got asked to go to a wedding. How does that... I mean, it could have been your own. Yeah. yeah. You could have been asked to go to your the own. But a very small percentage of the people at any wedding are getting married. So <laughs> the chances... Hopefully. A very, a very small percentage. Hopefully. There's this mass weddings in South Korea where like hundreds and hundreds of couples get married together. What? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe that one doesn't doesn't follow that rule. Oh and God. Vegas weddings don't really either. But besides those, <laughs> most weddings, most weddings, a very small percentage of the people that go there are getting married. So, yeah, basically at, like, noon, it, like, I got asked, like, oh, do you want to go with me to this wedding? And I was, and it was at, the wedding was at, like, five. I'm like, sure. Because I'd never been to a Chinese wedding before. And I'm like, I'll do it. Okay. Um, How was it? It was, it was decent. It was interesting. I got, did a failure. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> yeah. getting there. <laughs> I'm so curious. I'm getting there. This, um, but so when we got there, the girl was like, can you pretend that you're my boyfriend? Oh, boy. <gasps> And I was like, yeah, sure. This isn't gonna like this is just one oh, day. It's God. not gonna be No She's Chinese though. Yeah, she's it's never Chinese. just one day. Oh, oh it's, it was just gonna be one day. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But I, I but anyways, so pretended we'd been dating for a year and a half. What? Which, <laughs> you were all in. Ben free. But, but no, it, it wasn't a big deal because like we really didn't talk to anybody. We, like we just kind of sat there. Like we didn't like. We well, didn't, yeah, because by the time you're a year and a half into a relationship, you, you don't, don't talk. talk. Right. You don't have to. Right. Um, yes, yeah, so we didn't say it's much. Good acting. No one really asked. Like one or two people asked, but then at one point. Like, because most of the stuff was happening in Chinese. My Chinese is pretty good, but I don't always pick up 100% of things. So people were, like, toasting at one point, and I, like, toasted with them. And then they were just, they just kind of looked at me, and they're like, oh, no, we don't do it. This toast is only for single people. And then I was like, and then at first I was like, what are you talking about? And then I'm like, oh, that's right, I'm not single. (laughs) But then it just, it just, like, passed, and it wasn't a big deal. But that was just, like, a little moment of me, like, breaking character. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was, a, I don't know, it was a little bit of an interesting experience. Oh, so you're calling the breaking character moment the, the failure fail. of that story. Because I would have called something completely different the failure <laughs> of that story. What, what, just the fact that I went there and I lied to these people? I, yeah, maybe that. That might be, to, in some people's eyes, not the best uh, thing to have done. It's cool. It's cool, man. But she, it was her doing, though. I'm mostly just offended you've never pretended to be my girlfriend. I'm boyfriend. <laughs> I give up. Are you more? Are you fails. more offended that I've never pretended to be your girlfriend, or more offended that I've never pretended to be your boyfriend? Think how much publicity we would get if I was dating a girl that looked like you. It was just like, oh god, okay, I give up. I'm sorry. Okay. With the full beard. Am I allowed now? to count this entire conversation as my failure of the week? Um, <laughs> no, you have one of them. You have another one. Okay. Um, okay, so that was, that was that was mine. This is an interesting story, yeah, though. Yeah, Anyways. my pale comparison. Um, do you want to... Okay, so uh, mine is pretty basic. Um, I was making dinner for myself this week, and I, I feel like I thought that I liked chorizo sausage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember thinking that I liked it. Like, I'm pretty sure I did. I think I still might. It's really... <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, oh, my God. <laughs> making dinner and I made like polenta and spinach and then I like needed a protein so I made like I had chorizo sausage for my last grocery run and I was like I like this right and then I made it and it like was awful like maybe I don't <laughs> like chorizo but like I kept trying to eat it and then the problem was that like I put half of it in a Tupperware for later with my like second half of this meal but then now I'm worried that it's like contaminated the polenta oh and like I kind of burned part of it and then my whole apartment smelled like chorizo sausage and it just like it was it was not ideal Okay. So, uh, and now I'm just really like emotionally conflicted on whether or not I like chorizo, chorizo at all. <laughs> and I really thought that I did. So, <laughs> so that's my uh, that's my failure. <laughs> okay. Mine is just really really dumb. Like I was on the phone, and I walk around my apartment a lot when I'm like been in an in depth conversation. And normally I take my glasses off and just kind of fiddle with things because I have to have things in my hand to play with and so I had phone in one hand my glasses in the other hand and I opened my fridge to get something and then I shut 
the fridge with my glasses in there because I'd put them down <laughs> to take out to take out a water bottle and I'm drinking the water and then I realized that I can't see. <laughs> Wait, how long did it take you to realize they were in? It took the like fridge? well, no, that's the thing. I was like, well, where are they? And I've got like eight pairs of glasses, but like this is like the one pair that I always wear. And I was just so confused, so then I had to go get another one of my pairs of glasses to help find the ones that I had misplaced because I couldn't see That's where I put them without glasses. It was, yeah, it was wow. just really good. So from now on, I'm just going to sit stationary with glasses either on my face or on the table um, Seems like as good. to not misplace them. But wow. yeah. Glasses in the fridge. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Those were, those were, those were some nice, uh, nice little failures. Uh, <laughs> nice little failures. Of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Had myself on the back. <laughs> You're like, wow, the three of those one was decent. <laughs> they were all really good. <laughs> I liked them all. Okay. Um, great. So that gives us a, a little, nice little opportunity to talk. <laughs> Segue into what this show is about. Yeah, talk, talk a little bit more about uh, Kaylee. So how, how long have you been living in Shanghai or in China in general? A while. <laughs> um, God, uh, three years, three and a half years. So okay. Like that. so, That's like us. Oh, yeah, yeah, a, a, little, good, a little, a little bit more than, uh, than me, but cool. Um, what, what was it that originally brought you here? Kind of just um, an opportunity came up for me to teach um, at an international school, and I took it. And uh, I'd never been to China before. I've, I've been really fortunate um, to travel a lot. I've, uh, I counted the other day, and I'm almost at thirty before thirty. So 30 countries before I turned 30. Wow. So I'm pretty... That tells us two whole things about Pretty stoked. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it does. Two facts. That's awesome. I just gave away a lot with that. But um, yeah, so it's it's been an interesting experience. And I just decided to pick up and move. And it was kind of this professor from undergrad who was like, oh, there's this opportunity. I think you'd be great for it. By the way, I've already filled out all of your paperwork and you have an interview with them this coming week. This was on a Thursday. My interview was on a Monday. And then I found out Damn. the following week, I know. And then I was just kind of like, okay, well, I guess I'm moving to China. Well, that's nice when someone does all the work for you yeah, to like, well, set everything up. It was up. so weird because I came in and um, he was, I mean, he was one of my favorite professors in, in college. And I was just very surprised. He was like, yeah, I have this great opportunity. I'm thinking like, okay, it'll be somewhere in the States or, you know, doing something with arts, whatever. He's like, China. I kind of went, what? <laughs> You've got to be kidding, right? And I had never really considered it. And then I got the job and kind of things just kind of fell into place. I said, well, I guess if all this is working out, that means that I should go. And because why not? Let's give it a give it a shot and see what happens. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, obviously you were someone that had never really considered doing China or like you'd never studied yeah. Chinese. No, never. Like I moved here completely alone knew none of the language, didn't know where anything was. I just knew that I was going to Shanghai and that was it. Like I boarded my flight and I had a little printout for the taxi on where to, where to oh, take yay, me. Yay, and those. yeah, and it like, it was really an interesting move. It was a, it was a kind of a horrible move because I was in LA um, and my flight got canceled. They kept pu- it was that thing where they keep pushing it back and pushing yeah, it back. Yeah. And then eventually they were just like, yeah, we're canceling it. So we had to stay in LA overnight and then be back at the airport at like five the next morning. So we finally took off. That flight was delayed too. By the time I got here, I was supposed to have an attache meet me from my company. And by the time I got here, it was like 2.30 in the morning, three o'clock. So there was no one here to meet me. And I had to just kind of figure it out on my own. Wow. And I had this moment when I was in the taxi with this driver who spoke no English. I was just kind of going, what in the actual hell did I just do? Oh my God. And I kind of freaked out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I think we've all, we've all like had that moment. Not necessarily with China, but we were like, what? What, did, what just happened? Yeah. And then I get to the, the hotel. And as I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or because I'm used to living in America where safety is more of a thing. And I had no idea how safe it actually is here. Yeah. Um, where I'm like, I could actually be going with this guy and he will kill me somewhere. Yeah. And no yeah, one yeah, will yeah. know where I am. No one has a way of getting a hold of me. Like, if I died, no one would know. Yeah. Like, ever. 
<laughs> that's just the situation I put myself out in. Eventually. I mean, after you know, I didn't come home for a decade, maybe. <laughs> you know, it yeah. No, like, yeah. we haven't heard from her. Yeah. Eight years. <laughs> it is really safe, though. It is. China is one of the places where I felt yeah. most. I always have to tell people that because, like, I maybe it's a girl thing. Maybe your family worries a lot too, though. But yeah, yeah, they do. Like abroad. Um, and I feel like, you know, like families in general worry and my family's always freaking out too. They're yeah. like, Oh my God, you're so far out of Shanghai. I'm like, it, college was so much. Oh, I know. Like so much. Yeah. I, I tried to tell my mom, like the first year that I lived here, you know, I could walk down the street at three in the morning, four in the morning and be completely fine. No one will mess with you. And she's like, Oh, you still need to be careful. Well, obviously you do. Of course. Yeah. You can't be dumb. You can't be, don't be stupid. No. Like yeah. <laughs> don't be dumb. But then she came in and visited and she actually saw how quiet and safe it is. So I think that that kind of calmed her down a little bit yeah i mean i think like other <coughs> foreign colleagues i've had who have wives who've lived here but then have also lived in new york or other mm-hmm. places they've just been like yeah i have no problem if you know my i would not be worried if my wife was walking around right. in the middle of shanghai at midnight like yeah <coughs> feel very feel very safe yeah but yeah so so luckily your cab driver did not kill you on the way home from the airport. so glad i am too yeah, <laughs> i wouldn't be doing this podcast yeah. with you right now yeah and that's literally the only reason apparently that is yeah glad. yeah um no but we're really we're really glad <laughs> to have you here today um so this is the failure show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a big part of, of like what we like to do is, is talk about just like ways that people like perceive failures that people have had in life, failures that maybe like guided you to the point where you were getting in that cab in from Pudong at two thirty in the morning, <laughs> or like um, just yeah, just like uh, anything that, that that kind of led you there. So so you undergrad professor helped you apply for the job but you weren't right out of undergrad right no I was it was kind of a it was it it was one of those things where after undergrad you don't know what you're gonna do and you're kind of figuring it out right it was just kind of the universe being like okay here's here's where we're gonna go next and um that I mean, it's worked out pretty well, I think, and it's it's been good. But uh, it's it's time to go back now. Yeah. It's time to go back to America. If you can go a little bit more into that, in terms of like kind of the evolution of what you've done during your time here, and and what's led you to make the move to now head back to the U.S. Kind of that whole arc. Um, you're teaching music. I am. Right? Yep, I'm a music teacher. That's so fun. It's, it's fun, yeah, music and drama. But so, yeah, I teach music. I've also been really involved in um, community drama here, um, working with East West Theater, um, cool. doing shows for them, which has been really fun. And I've that was kind of my saving grace when I moved here because I went from doing music and <clears throat> creative things all day, every day when I was an undergrad to moving here and having nothing. Like I had no instruments here with me. I had, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what the art scene was like. And so I got this opportunity to work with them and it was just kind of like, yes, thank you. You knew that this was what I needed to kind of keep me feeling normal and like feeling that I can, I can stay here. It's been good. I've done quite a few shows here, which is great. And I think that that, it's been my favorite part, just that process of, going through and creating something and then also the people that you get to meet and I will forever say this the creative people are by far the greatest human beings in the world and they're so wonderfully bizarre in so many different ways and uh you can learn a lot from everybody which is so so great do you feel like you meet exceptionally bizarre people in Shanghai versus Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> More so than than normal, probably. Yeah, but but so you're you're wrapping up. You're ready to. You're going back to the states mm-hmm. to. I <laughs> I forget location here. Head to Phoenix, Phoenix. Phoenix. Yes. Yeah. Um, hometown. It's gonna be weird. I was talking with my dad the other day, and he was like, "Yeah, you haven't lived here in eight years." And I kind of went, "Wow." It's. <laughs> I didn't realize it had been that long since mm. I hadn't you know, lived at home or near home. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool. Different 
but cool. Um, what are for? I I vaguely know this. Um, full disclosure: Kaylee and I have met before. Um, <laughs> there you go. But uh, so so you're going back, and I was trying to explain a little bit to Ben. And I was like, oh yeah, Kaylee, she's going back, and like, <laughs> all I could thing. say was like, she's gonna have a creative space, and so I the, didn't know how to go past that. I was like, yeah, it's, I was it's a creative space, and he was like, what's a creative space? And I was like, you know, like a, a good creative. <laughs> Like a room, like a room creating. Yeah. No, so I'll be t. Te- I'll actually be teaching um, either junior high or high school. I'd find out which very soon. Cool. But um, the thing that I discovered here in Shanghai, in particular, was when you're doing a show, you have there's so much that goes into it, and you have to have a, a rehearsal space. And finding said rehearsal space is such a pain in the ass.、Mm. It is hard to find a reasonable space. Centrally located for everybody. If you do, it's horrendously expensive to rent,、mm-hmm. and you usually have to pay by the hour,、mm. which makes it very difficult to put a show together. So unless you know someone who's got a space that's willing to share or whatever,、um, <clears throat> it can be kind of a struggle. So what I would like to do is I would really like to open up a space for creatives, not just theater and music people, but all kinds of creatives.、Uh, Where they can come and <clears throat> rent a little area、yeah. um, of this studio, and just create things and you know be expressive because a lot of a lot of people you know especially in inner city areas don't necessarily have a creative outlet and I think that that could be really helpful.、Um, So if you know they want to do dance, they want to do music, they want to do painting, sculpture, photography, whatever.、Mm-hmm. Um, just having a, a space where it's safe for people to go, where they feel inspired, and where they can meet other creatives that can maybe help them and and kind of shape some of their their creations and their ideas、um, would be would be ideal. So just kind of giving back to the community that I grew up in. Yeah.、Um, did through, you did you like living in? I've been there once. I went to the mall. <laughs> was what I did in, in Phoenix. <laughs> pretty much all there is to do.、Uh, um, <laughs> that jives in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much.、Um, yeah, I, I did when I was there in high school. I mean, I hated high school. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, because like I don't, I don't have any like I have a lot of preconceptions <clears throat> about like American locales and like、mm-hmm. cities and stuff, and I don't think I have anything attached to Phoenix. It's it's kind of a weird area because <clears throat> it's very. International. It's very mixed because、okay. we do have a lot of immigrants that live、um, in our communities, <clears throat> and I think that that's kind of cool. And I think、yeah. that that can be something that is,、uh, which for some people can be a negative,、um, and we can kind of turn it into a positive.、Mm. And I don't know. Just I, I think that creating art and being near art is a great way for people to maybe express themselves or <clears throat> or learn to think about things. Maybe a little bit differently than they would have normally. Yeah.、Um, because when you see a piece of artwork or see someone perform music, you're seeing a side of them that not many people get to see, because、mm-hmm. it's very personal. When you're an artist and you create things, or if you're a musician and you perform, it's very very personal. Because every time you play, you're bearing a little piece of your soul、mm-hmm. to people.、Um, so I think if if people Could see that and <clears throat> maybe understand and, and encourage that in <clears throat> younger yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's it's a really like you know it's it's a really great thing to to be able to do, and I and I think it's awesome that you're that it's kind of your goal to go back and kind of give a lot of young people that opportunity to to be able to express themselves in、uh, in in a unique way like that. I mean. Kind of, you've spent your time, a lot of your time teaching、mm-hmm. music and kind of, you know, giving other people the opportunity to be creative. But in terms of kind of your own creative yeah, how did journey, you, like as Phoenix is <coughs> going back to search this art space, does it have like a well-developed scene? Did you grow up like encouraged to be in the arts? Was it、Always. hard to get so? So <clears throat> I was really lucky in the house that I grew up at. My parents. They've <clears throat> been nothing but supportive with anything. I played club sports for a while, did softball, volleyball, 
all of the things, the sports mm-hmm. things. Well, well, I so yeah, I have I have two questions. It's a two part question, so you can like drink some water while I get through <laughs> it. The first is like growing up in Phoenix. Like, what was it? You know, like easy to get involved in that where there were a lot of opportunities through the arts and the second is you mentioned something that that rings true with me which is like every time as a performer that you kind of do something and Ben and I both uh, write and perform a lot of stand-up comedy you're kind of like burying a piece of yourself Mm -hmm. and I think that in the performance aspect that leaves like this huge gaping fear of like fear of failure fear of like Mm -hmm. being laughed at feel like showing yourself and then not being good at it yeah. or like not just, having it be received yeah really not well. like yeah, having yeah. an audience be like oh well you suck at this. <laughs> and so like I mean, in any art I think it's yeah. very hard to like get started and kind of push into that yeah and be sure. like I'll perform <clears throat> and now you teach people how to do that I do I mean growing so growing up um my my parents were just very you know try everything do what makes you what you gravitate towards I took piano lessons I did um <laughs> other music yeah, yeah, yeah. other music groups all kinds of things and <clears throat> music was always just a huge part of of growing up and a lot of that had to do with the school that I went to in okay. elementary school had a huge huge music music program um and that kind of just steered me in my direction yeah <clears throat> but yeah it's it is really scary. Um, for me, I'm not I'm not an aesthetic artist by any means. Um, <laughs> if, if I gravitate towards towards anything, it's more photography. Okay. Um, because I think that it's really interesting and just the way that you 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 can present things that are maybe some somewhat ordinary in an extraordinary way. Yeah. Um, is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's. My mom is very creative also. Okay. She's she she doesn't think that she is, but she totally is. Um she <laughs> she was an interior designer for many, many, many years. Um which that pretty creative. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say that takes a <laughs> she, lot of creativity it does. on its own. She yeah, but she uh so she did that for a long time and then she kind of switched gears and now she within the last I'd say probably six years or so, she opened up her own business. Um okay. doing it started with her doing, you know, the little cake pops that you can like. Yeah, oh, I know. Okay, so pops. she does. Oh yeah, so she does those. That's like how this whole thing started. Cake bites. Yeah, but it, yeah. like she'll like decorate them and like she does she does everything. They're so cute. Still sounds creative. It's super creative. <laughs> it's so so creative, and now she's doing um, things with sugar flowers and what? making wedding cakes and so things. badass. I she's she's amazing. She's That's awesome. So you inherited so. creativity at least a little bit, or grew up around. I grew it. up around it. Yeah, I'm adopted, so I didn't okay. really <clears throat> inherit much. But I'd say it's that fine. I'm pretty close. I, I I mirror a lot of things from both of my parents based mm. on how they are. My yeah. dad is an IT guy, and so he's very you know kind of no nonsense. Pushover. <laughs> pushover is not a word I usually think of following no nonsense. But yeah. yeah. He's no, he's he's great. He's very friendly. When he was here, he like made friends with all of the little old ladies that would sit by my driveway. Like what a gem. Oh, oh yeah, they would like wave at it like oh my god, they were his fans. It was great. Um and he's super tall, so they were just like asking all these questions about my dad mm-hmm. and why he's so tall and whatever. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. That's he just is. Um, but yeah, so I've always grown up in a, a really supportive and creative environment. So, and, and this is a question that actually I feel like could go in, in any direction, but um, I feel like a lot of people who end up in art, artistic fields or something like that, like you, you hear like, for some reason, what's coming to mind is a lot of rappers, but sure. Um, you hear, like, okay. a lot of people who, who are into this talk about how, like, you know, it's like, oh, I failed a hundred times, or, like, I was Absolutely. terrible a, a million times until I finally, like, got to where I am. Absolutely. Was that, like, do you feel like that was the same process you went through, or were you luckier because you had so much encouragement and, like, the, these opportunities, or do you still feel like, regardless, to be an artist, you have to go through that, like... I've, you know, played this, played this piece 400 times wrong before I finally played it once and it sounded right. Yes. <laughs> as, as, um, as an artist, you want things a certain way. And 
oftentimes, and not just for artists, but for anything, you're your own worst critic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're way, way harder on yourself than other people would be. Because when you play piano, for example, or you're singing a piece, you know what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But then I, the best piece of advice I ever got was from a, my voice professor in college. And she said, um, before you give a recital or convocation or whatever, don't worry. We don't hand out the score with the program to everyone. So your interpretation of it, how you sing it, that's your interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. And whether you made a mistake, as long as it doesn't show on your face, <laughs> and no one will know. Nobody will be the wiser. Um, so I think through the struggle of the rehearsal process, and for me that's the struggle because you have to be somewhat regimented and have a schedule, and I'm not very good with that <laughs> at all. Yeah. I, I'm very disciplined. Um, and it can be so, so frustrating doing the same thing over and over and over again. Mm. And eventually it'll just click and it'll make sense. But I think for any art, the struggle helps you get better and helps you love it yeah. even more. Because if, if you don't struggle, it's, it's not really worth it. If it's really easy maybe it's not what you should be doing. Yeah, maybe it's too easy. It's too easy. That's good, Ben. That's really good advice for when we bomb and open mics. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really, yeah. that's <laughs> really, really good, 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 good advice for that. Yeah, no, it shouldn't, right, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, something should be easy, right? <laughs> Someone reassure me of this, but. Of course. And I, yeah. but I think too, with those failures, you can, you can learn something from them every time. And, those failures are what improve your craft and Mm. when you fail hopefully that'll be something in the back of your mind saying okay remember what happened last time okay we're not gonna do that again (laughs) and uh, you can you can take that and and build on it so you're you're headed back you're headed back to phoenix and i assume like uh, many people in shanghai you kind of view your time here as having like learned things um did you did you have any moments in shanghai that were like particularly a struggle or like um i think that living living here it's a whole different beast from living other places abroad especially if you haven't studied the language. Mm. So the thing that I noticed the most were like these these little victories where, you know, your first little victory is learning where the grocery store is and yeah. learning how to say certain things like where is blah, blah, blah. And then the first time you can talk to a taxi driver in just Chinese and he understands you mm. and gets you to the right place, you're like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Like, yeah, I am on my way. Um, like, yeah. on my way this. and on my way to the right address <laughs> yeah. I can handle this just full disclosure take, take I got lost on the way I, the cast, I so. did like really bad like uh-huh. he kept saying there is no 50 I'm like there definitely is are you telling place. everyone on the address there is no apartment <laughs> know this number anywhere which oh, indeed there was but yeah so but <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, made yeah. It. I made it but um yeah no learning learning to be patient um mm. which anyone that knows me really really well will tell you that I was born without any patience at all like um, none I am yeah, yeah I am the least patient human being ever um so here it kind of forces you to have to take a step back and and you have to be patient with yeah. people. Because otherwise, you're not going to get anything done, and you're just going to drive yourself bananas. Yeah. It is a million and one small failures, I think, to move oh, to yeah. a new country. Oh, yeah. And, like, now you can look back and laugh at all of them, <laughs> but at the time, they just seemed like they're the biggest deal in the world. There were times when I, within my first, like, nine months of living here... And I would come home from work and just, like, sit and cry in my apartment. Yeah, I think everybody cries in their apartment the first... I, I'm going to hope year that they <laughs> live there, right? That's what's normal. I just feel like it's, like, it was the worst within those first nine months. Because you're getting used to a new language, a new culture, figuring out all the things, things that shock you. I came home the first time I saw someone spit on the street... 
I was perplexed. I was like, where did I just move to? Mm. What is happening? Yeah, anything that's like a culture shock kind of just makes you feel like, oh, like, I this, don't necessarily belong This here. was a huge mistake. And then you just get, you know, used to dodging loogies and it's fine. <laughs> so it's all good. Yeah, you adapt. Yeah, I mean, so you obviously, you know, you, you kind of think now that like China has prepared you kind of to face other challenges, but do you think like, other kind of obstacles or things you went through before coming to China, do you think those prepared you for the the issues you faced when you got here or like the troubles you faced when you got here in some degree? Um, yes and yes and no. I think the the thing that I, I had to kind of overcome the most before moving here was fear. And I've never really been afraid of of doing things like I was always that kid where if I went someplace with my mom and I wanted to like we went to the grocery store and I would want to know how much something was she would never ask someone who worked there she would always make me go up and ask them when I was like four Mm. just so that I could like get used to talking to people and so I've never really been shy but I've also never really been open about a lot of things um so just kind of getting getting used to me myself and I Mm. just being with me myself and I for a long period of time Mm. um I think that that was kind of because when you do move here, you do spend a lot of time alone initially yeah. um, until you kind of find your group. And so that was that was kind of something that I'm glad that I did voluntarily in college because studying and just you just need a break sometimes just mm-hmm. from all the stimulus. Um, and so learning to be alone was a big help before I got here because I had no problem being alone when I got here. Um, I was just like, this is great, actually. Um, so one question that I that I kind of like to get feedback on, mostly because I think when we started this podcast, I thought everyone would answer this question the same. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things that I realized is that that is just not the case. It's yeah. just not how people think. But kind of what what how do you define a failure? Like. Because it's something I thought when we started this, it would be so easy to be like, oh, well, then I like got a D on the test. I failed right, it. You right. know, like, it, and I think that what I've realized from, from hearing people's stories and kind of getting into people's lives is like, there's people that describe things that to me, I'm like, that seems like a huge fuck up. And they're like, oh, I just don't even believe in failure. Like, yeah. I just, that's not even how I would define it. And so, like, for, to you, what do you kind of think of as like, failure and what's your attitude just even towards that concept um for me the only failure is when something doesn't work out if you can't take away something positive from whatever that experience was then that then that itself is a failure not the act of not succeeding but it's the act of not analyzing why it didn't succeed how it didn't succeed and then not learning from that mistake Mm -hmm. because if you if you don't really think about why something isn't working, then you're just going to repeat it over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it's. I think that, that the idea of taking something from a failure, especially for American culture, is very ingrained. Oh, we, yeah. we really, like, embrace that idea of, like, yeah, oh, you fucked sure. up, but if you learn from it, like, right. that's almost a good thing. And, like, especially, right. like, startups, it's, like, push failure. Um, yeah. Fail hard or fa- yeah. fail fast. As, There's some as, catchphrase uh, I can't remember. As Mar- when I was in college, one of the, I went to a very religious college, um, and Martin Luther said, if you're going to sin, sin boldly. And I've kind of adapted that. If you're going to fail, fail boldly. Yeah. Um, also, if you're going to sin, sin boldly is my favorite. <laughs> isn't thing. it? <laughs> yes. Damn. Isn't it great? Like, don't uh, waste your sins. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Everyone's going to do them, but if you're going to sin, sin boldly. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a good one. I, I like. didn't know that. Like, I've done so many things here that I never would have done um, had I been at home. She's and been I, sinning boldly for years. I, <laughs> any, you have no in idea. particular that you feel like you can share or that you want to share? Um, probably, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something substantial. Um, <laughs> she spits on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God, no, I will never sin that boldly. She's gone I, native. <laughs> Yeah, no, never will sin that boldly. Um, <laughs> probably just just trying different art forms um, that maybe I wouldn't have, have thought of. Like painting, I really didn't get into 
until I moved here. Oh. Um, and I had someone take me down to the, the art street near People's Square. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh yeah, art supplies are so cheap and you can get huge canvases for super. I'm like, what? Because at home they're somewhat expensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, so I, the first, the second time I went by myself, I just bought a whole bunch of stuff and I had no idea what I was going to do with it. And then I got home and it was there. I'm like, well, it's here. Maybe I should do something with it instead yeah. of just look at it. Yeah. Um, it's just like taking up space yeah. in the apartment. You're like, uh, yeah. let me make that into something that looks yeah. a little better. Like, and people come over and they're like, why is that there? Are you painting? I'm like, well, I'm not currently, but I will be doing <laughs> if I get around to it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But yeah, just, just pushing the creative boundaries a little bit. Yeah, I think it's um, there, there's something to be said for... You know, obviously there are people here, just as there are would be people back home. But but there's a sense when you do creative things here that nobody sees them, yeah, and yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. And you're not yeah. as embarrassed if they don't work out. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that I think that Shanghai, or I I assume, and I can't really say because Shanghai is the only place I've ever consistently lived abroad, but or China in general. But I think that you get a level of anonymity where it's like. Well, if I completely fuck it up here, like, yeah. the people back at home, the people that have known you your whole life, no, they're no, not, no. like, bearing witness right. to it. It's almost like a freedom to get to fail really hard and yeah. try things and Absolutely. to be like, if this creative endeavor is a total catastrophe, which, which sometimes they are, you know? <laughs> like, sometimes it just yeah. doesn't work out. Then you're like, well, like, no one saw me try that right. joke. <laughs> Yeah. And it completely my mom yeah. didn't have to witness me tell that joke about <laughs> masturbation. Like, it's fine. And I, yeah, I think, I think it does give you the sense of, like, freedom from, yeah, for sure. from failure. For there. sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you for You're coming welcome. on today. Yeah, thanks. This was really good. Really fun. Yeah, this was awesome. This was great. Yeah. Okay, yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for coming, Kayla. Yeah, no this, problem. Uh, I guess uh, that's, that's been the failure show. It- it's Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.